it is really difficult to establish the religious culture that Abraham grew up in. When we take a look at Genesis chapter 11, at the genealogy that we have there, and we just add the numbers up, very interestingly we find out that Noah lived until Abraham was 58 years old. And Shem lived 33 years beyond Abraham. Well, that assumes that there aren't any gaps in the genealogies, and we know that sometimes there are, but if we just take it for what it says, and the picture that it's presenting, we've got Noah and Shem, the survivors of the flood, that are still around when Abraham is there. Of course, we also recognize that between the time of the flood and the time that Abraham gets on the earth, there's the Tower of Babel, and the descendants of Noah and Shem are scattered, and we have no way of knowing how close Abraham was to Noah and Shem. And when we count up the generations, we find out that there are nine generations between Shem and Abraham. And so that means, that to make sure I get this right, that Shem is Noah's great, 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 great grandfather. And today, since it's really only the long-lived few that get to see their great-grandchildren, especially their great-great-grandkids, it's hard for us to know exactly how much influence Noah and Shem would have had over Abraham. But I, for one, have a hard time believing that with Noah and Shem still alive, that the story of Jehovah and the flood and how they survived was completely lost. Yet at the same time, we look at Joshua chapter 24 and verse 2. Joshua chapter 24 and verse 2, and we find out that by the time Sarah and Abraham get here, they weren't Followers of Jehovah, at least not explicitly, it says there, and Joshua said to all the people, this is Joshua 24, 2, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates, Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, and they served other gods. So it's really just kind of hard to establish what Abraham grew up believing. And where Abraham was when God called him, where Abraham was on a spiritual level. I'll tell you what we don't see. We don't see a burning bush. We don't see generations of patriarchal teaching just in complete devotion to Jehovah. Instead, what we seem to find is a polytheist who had been left by his father in a foreign land. Genesis chapter 11. At the end of Genesis chapter 11, it says in verse 31, Terah took Abram, his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. And the days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. So Abram has been taken from his homeland by his father up to the strange land, and then he's left there. According to Joshua 24.2, a polytheist, if he follows Jehovah, he doesn't follow him alone. He's an idol worshiper. Can you imagine what it must have been like for a man surrounded by idols and false gods represented by these idols that never said anything to suddenly hear the voice of the God represented by no idol and yet speaks. 
We don't know what was in Abraham's mind. We don't know what prepared him for that day. But I tell you what we do know is that when God's voice spoke to him, Abraham believed. And Abraham followed. Abraham, from that point on, became the father of the faithful, we might say. Our forefather in faith. Our example. And if we want the same kinds of blessings that Abraham had, we need to learn to follow in his footsteps. Abraham, as the father of the faithful, followed God wherever he said. It took him down into Canaan. It took him over into Egypt. It brought him back to Canaan. And finally, it took him to paradise. And I don't think we should lose sight of the implication that in Luke 16.22, when, when Lazarus, the poor beggar, is carried off by the angels, where is he taken? Abraham's bosom. Abraham, the father of the faithful, became that image of peace that we can have after we leave this life. But if we want to be with Abraham in his bosom, we have to follow Abraham in his journeys. Not that we have to go into Canaan or into Egypt, but we also need to travel by faith. Most of us know the story of Abraham. If you don't, I encourage you to read the book of Genesis. Some great stories there. But we're not going to follow every step of Abraham's journey. Instead, I'd like for us to look at Hebrews 11, beginning at verse 8. And just take a look at a couple of verses here that summarize the life of Abraham and his travels by faith. In Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 8, it says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. What a great summer. An epitaph, if you will. How would you like to have something like that on your tombstone that talks about the faith that you had to serve God? I'd like for us to examine this passage and notice five things about Abraham's faith, things that we need to mirror if we're going to be with Abraham in paradise. Before we do that, would you bow with me in prayer, please? Almighty God and Father in heaven, we lift you up because you are awesome and powerful and worthy of our adoration and our praise. And we recognize that what we've offered here today, what we've offered throughout our entire lives, what we offer in our homes, individually, in our prayer closets, that that this doesn't even scratch the surface of what you deserve, but we pray that you, would, that you would condescend to accept our offering. And Father, we know that you do, and we are so thankful. We pray that you would forgive us because we have sinned. Too often we've allowed our doubts to turn us away from your path. Too often we've allowed our own will and materialism and greed, the will of society, to turn us away from what you've said. Help us, Father, to be like Abraham, to follow in his footsteps of faith, that we might obey you and honor you and lift you up wherever you lead us. Father, we thank you so much for letting us be a part of your plan. And we pray that your hand of mercy and blessing will be upon this congregation and all the congregations that are represented by folks who are our guests this morning. Father, we pray that you would continue to be with us and help us to be a blessing to you. We love you, Father. And we thank you so much for loving us. Through your Son's name we pray. Amen. 
When we take a look at Abraham, and here in, in Hebrews chapter 11, the very first thing that we recognize in Hebrews 11 and verse 8 is that Abraham traveled by faith. When we look at Hebrews 11, we understand that the chapter is not about Abraham. It's about faith. And it's about the faith that was displayed by all these characters and people throughout the Bible story. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And we understand that faith is believing in the Word of God. Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of Christ. Faith is not necessarily a blind faith. Faith doesn't mean accepting things in contradiction to the evidence. According to Scripture, faith is accepting God and His Word. And not just wishful thinking, not just kind of hoping in the way that's used today, but hoping in the biblical term, that is, earnest expectation. That God has said it, and therefore this is the way it's going to be. I don't know what Abraham knew in the moment that God called him. I don't know everything about Abraham's background, but I know this. When Abraham received God's Word, Abraham believed. He had faith. And we often quote 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, which says, we walk by faith and not by sight. And that's what Abraham did. He walked by faith and not by sight. It wasn't about what he saw. It was about what he believed based upon God's revelation to him. And we need to walk with such faith. I think there's a great illustration of this faith. If you've ever seen the movie Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, have you seen that? If you haven't, I really hate that because this is a great illustration. There's just one scene where Indiana Jones is going through this passage trying to find the Holy Grail, and he is stopped by a chasm. And it's a long drop. And he knows that to get to his destination, he's got to get on the other side. And he, and he hurriedly goes through his father's notes and he sees a picture of somebody walking by faith and not by sight, walking across this chasm. And so, he walks up to it, he sticks his leg out, and he just falls forward. And at the last minute, from our audience perspective, as his foot is out over the chasm, it hits a hard surface. And he's able to walk out across what seems to be an invisible bridge. Only after he gets to the other side is he able to throw back dust across it and see where this camouflage bridge was. And he was able by sight to recognize the path that he had taken by faith. And that's really what walking with God is like. It's like coming up to the chasm and God saying, look, just step out there, I've got you. And placing one foot in front of the other, and falling forward. And walking with God every step of the way. Trusting Him. Believing Him. Surrendering our lives to Him. We need to remember what it says there in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. Without faith it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. If we live in this world walking by sight, it is impossible to please God. If we want to be with Abraham in paradise, we have to be with Abraham right now in faith. 
But look again at Hebrews 11 and verse 8. It doesn't just say, by faith. It says, by faith, Abraham obeyed. You see, if we stop with point one, as so many folks do today about faith, we wouldn't really be with Abraham. We wouldn't be following in his footsteps. We would just have a mental assent, an agreement to some facts, or some ideas, or some principles. But the thing we need to recognize most about Abraham is not just that he had faith, but that he had enough faith to obey. That he had enough faith to do what God said. God said to him, leave Haran and go into Canaan. And Abraham obeyed. God said to him, make circumcision a sign of our covenant. And Abraham obeyed. God said to him, send Hagar and your firstborn child Ishmael out into the wilderness. And Abraham obeyed. God said to him, take your only son that you now have left, Isaac, and I want you to take him out to the mountain. I want you to kill him. And Abraham obeyed. God said it. And Abraham believed him enough that he did it. If we want to be with Abraham, we have to believe God enough to obey him. Romans chapter 4 and verse 12. Romans chapter 4 and verse 12. Talks about Abraham saying he was made the father of the circumcised, who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. Walking in the footsteps of faith. Do you understand what that's saying about faith? Faith is not just a mental activity. The faith that saves us is a physical activity. It's a walk. It's an obedience that Abraham had. And so we have to ask ourselves the question, do we obey? Do we believe God enough to obey Him? When God says, seek first my kingdom and righteousness, and I'll add all these things to you, do we believe Him so that we seek first His kingdom and righteousness? When God says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath, because that gives an open door for the devil. Do we believe Him so that we deal with our anger properly? When God says that the husband is the head of the home and the wife is to be in submission, do we believe Him enough to follow His pattern? When God says, spare the rod and spoil the child, do we believe Him enough to discipline our children? When God says, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved, do we believe Him enough to submit to that gospel message? Do we believe God enough to obey Him? James chapter 2 talks about saving faith. Beginning in verse 17, James 2 says, So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one? You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Abraham was called a friend of God not just because he believed, but because he believed enough to obey. And we can believe, 
We can believe that God is one. We can believe that God is powerful. We can believe that Jesus is the Savior of mankind. But if we stop there, our belief is no greater than that of the demons. They had that much faith. They had enough faith to shudder with fear. But do we have enough faith to obey? Following in the footsteps of Abraham. So that we too might be called friends of God. Third thing I want you to recognize there in Hebrews chapter 11. Still in verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Abraham had so much faith in God that he obeyed Him, following Him, even though he didn't know the way. Abraham had no idea where God was going to send him. Abraham had no idea that it was going to bring him down into Canaan and wander around that land and take him down into Egypt and then back into Canaan and down to Gerar and He didn't have any idea what was going to happen. He didn't know where his food was going to come from when he got there. He didn't know when he was going to have kids. He didn't know how many kids he was going to have. He didn't know any of that stuff. And we need to understand that following God for Abraham was not always a walk in the park. A lot of times we look back and see how blessed he was. But sometimes we forget he had to go down into Egypt. Do you remember why? Because God led him through a famine. And life wasn't always the bed of roses for Abraham. Following God wasn't always easy. And yet, Abraham followed him, even though he didn't know the way. And we have to follow God, even though we don't know the way. Where is God going to lead us? We don't always know. Some folks, when they make the commitment to serve the Lord, they have to leave jobs. Sometimes they have to leave marriages. Sometimes they have to learn to stay in marriages that they didn't want to stay in. When we learn to follow God and we make that commitment to God, sometimes we're going to be abandoned by our family and our friends. Sometimes in order to pursue our work for God, it's going to lead us into other places. We have no idea what's going to happen in our future. And you know what? It's not always rosy. It's not always a walk in the park. Don't misunderstand. I'm not trying to act like being a Christian is one misery after another. That's not true at all. Like Abraham, there are great blessings in serving God, but we do need to understand that sometimes we go through famines when we follow God. Psalm 23 points out that sometimes when we're allowing God to be our shepherd, it means lying down in green pastures and walking beside the still, quiet, refreshing waters But sometimes it means walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes it means eating in the presence of our enemies. We have to have the commitment right now that whatever God says, wherever God leads, wherever God sends, it doesn't matter. Whatever sacrifice He asks of me, I'm going to do it. That's what Abraham did. And he made that commitment without knowing everything it was going to cost him. Without knowing every place it was going to lead him. That was the kind of faith that Abraham had. But continue now in Hebrews chapter 11. Now let's go ahead and look in verse 9. 
It says in Hebrews 11 and verse 9, By faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. What that's really telling us is that Abraham did not waver in his faith when the promise was not fulfilled immediately. What did God said? God said, go into this land, I'm going to give it to you. But when he got there, he didn't get to have the land. He had to travel around like a foreigner. He lived in tents. Folks don't live in tents on their own land. When they're on their own land, when they're on their homeland, what do they do? They build houses. When they have the land of a nation, what do they do? They build cities with foundations and walls. That's not what Abraham got. Abraham traveled around this land God had promised him as though he was a foreigner living in tents. What that's pointing out is that God made this promise, but the promise wasn't going to be given to Abraham immediately. In fact, we know, looking back from the, uh, you know, hindsight, 2020, we can look back through the history and we find out that, that this promise wasn't even really going to be fulfilled for hundreds of years until after the Egyptian captivity. In fact, it says there in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised. That is, God said, you go over here and I'm going to give this to your, this land to you and your descendants. But that didn't really happen until the days of Joshua. But Abraham didn't waver. Abraham continued on despite the fact that the promises were not fulfilled immediately. He didn't abandon God just because he got into Canaan and after a few years was still living in a tent. He didn't abandon God because after a few years there was a famine and he had to leave. He didn't abandon God because the thing that God promised didn't happen on Abraham's timetable. He trusted in God's timetable. God said He was going to give it to me. He'll do it when He's ready. That's the kind of faith that Abraham had. Being able to trust God's timetable. That's the kind of faith that we need to have. The faith that says, I know God has given me promises. But that doesn't mean the promises are all going to come today. God in His time will fulfill His promises in the way that most honors and glorifies Him and in the way that best serves His children. And we have to be able to trust Him to do that. Now, please understand, this doesn't mean that Abraham never wavered in his faith at all. I'm not trying to say that Abraham was perfect in faith, and sometimes we can look at Abraham and think that and, and kind of despair about ourselves because we've struggled in our faith. But look in Genesis chapter 17. In Genesis chapter 17 and verse 18, as God is talking to Abraham, Abraham said to God in Genesis 17:18, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. But God said, No. But Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father twelve princes, and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. Now God had said, you're going to live, you're going to have a son, Sarah's going to have a son. But notice what happened in Genesis chapter 20. In Genesis chapter 20, Abraham has journeyed toward the territory of the Negev, lived between Kadesh and Shur, and he sojourned in Gerar. And this is one of those times when Abraham told Abimelech, oh, she's just my sister. 
You remember what happened there. And when it all fell apart and Abimelech got mad at him, look at what he says in verse 11. Abraham said, I did it because I thought there is no fear of God at all in this place, and they will kill me because of my wife. There's a couple of things here I pretty well understand. Sarah must not have been pregnant yet, or at least not knowingly so, because then Abraham couldn't have pulled off this lie. So what happened to God's promise? Oh no, you're going to have a son. It's going to be through Sarah. See, Abraham struggled with his faith a little bit here. And what we recognize from this is, is that, that Abraham traveled by faith. Abraham is an example of faith. But even Abraham struggled at times. And what a great comfort that is for us. Because we've all struggled with our faith. We've all had moments of doubt. We've all had troubles. But if Abraham could come out on the other side of it and be recorded in this chapter of faith, so can we. And we remember what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Where it says, For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith virtue. And then it lists several other characteristics and then look at verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing. Faith is a growth issue. None of us have perfect faith now. Abraham didn't have perfect faith. But Abraham had enough faith to obey God and follow Him where he went. And even though he struggled, he came out in the end as an example of faith. Because even with his struggles, he continued on. And Abraham trusted God that in his time, he would bring about his promises. We need to remember that song that we sing based on Ecclesiastes 3 and verse 11. God makes all things beautiful when we feel like it in His time. That's the kind of faith we need to have. And finally, verse 10. Abraham was able to do all this by faith, for he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Even though the promise hadn't been fulfilled, Abraham was able to look into the future by faith and see it. He was able to envision the city that God was going to build. I think this actually has a double meaning. I think for Abraham it meant that he was able to see that even though now he was living as a foreigner and a sojourner traveling around in tents, he was able to foresee by God's promise the city that he would build. Think about Psalm 87 and verse 1. Psalm 87 and verse 1. There in Psalm 87, the sons of Korah wrote, On the holy mount stands the city he founded. The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwelling places of Jacob. Glorious things of you are spoken, O city of God. Now did Abraham know where Jerusalem was going to be? No. Did Abraham know what it was going to look like? No. But Abraham was able to see that God had promised you will have a nation. This land will be yours. And he knew that God was going to build that city just as he had promised. But I think it has even greater meaning as we continue in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 16. The Hebrew writer comments on all these people of faith. He says in verse 16, as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared for them 
a city. Abraham was able to travel by faith wherever God led him, whether he got the promises today or it came later, because he wasn't worried about the stuff down here anyway. Whether he had material blessings, a house, and a city or not, was unimportant to him. He was looking forward to the heavenly city. And that's exactly the faith that we need to have. Can we envision that city that God has prepared for us all if we follow in the footsteps of Abraham? Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2 reminds us that we are to set our mind on things above, not on things on the earth. We can't walk by faith if we're distracted by what we see. Jesus taught in His Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, beginning at verse 19. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If our heart is trapped by our houses and our cars and our clothes and our gizmos and our gadgets and our iPods and our Xboxes, We're not going to be able to walk by faith. We've got to be able to envision the heavenly city and want to be there more than we want anything else. That's how Abraham was able to travel by faith. And that's the only way we'll be able to continue walking with him wherever God leads and ending up by Abraham's side in paradise. This is the kind of faith we need to have. One of my all-time favorite stories, several of you already know this, one of my all-time favorite stories, books, The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings. I love those stories. Read them over and over again. In fact, I just finished reading them again this, this past, uh, a few months ago. But I know not everybody shares my interest in those books. Not everybody likes The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. And, And, I mean, that's okay. You can go to heaven anyway. But, you know, and they have different reasons for that. But there was one reason that really shocked me. In fact, I heard this from two different people. They said, you know, I tried to read those books, but they just seem to be cheap copies of all the other fantasy literature I've ever read. Now, for those of you who know anything about Lord of the Rings, you understand why that's an amazing statement. For those of you who don't, here's the thing you need to recognize. The Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings were the first fantasy stories ever written. They can't be the cheap copies because they're the originals. Everything else that's ever been written in that genre has been written in the wake of what Tolkien prepared. Now, here's the problem that we sometimes have. Sometimes we take a look at these Bible characters like Abraham and we view them through the glasses of our lives as if we can make them a copy of us. That's a big mistake. Abraham's the original. Abraham's the father of the faith. Instead of us reading about him 
and trying to make his life a cheap copy of ours. Our lives need to be a copy of his as he follows God. How does your life compare? How does your faith compare? It doesn't have to be perfect. But it has to be enough to follow in Abraham's footsteps. Obeying the Lord wherever he sends. How are you doing on that?